This is your host, Brendan, and you're listening to the Ordinary to Ultra podcast. Each episode, I bring in an ultra runner and ask them about their journey to their first ultra marathon or their first time running a new ultra distance. We'll dive into why they started running in the first place, why they decided to run an ultra, the obstacles they encountered, and what it took to get to the finish line and beyond. Three miles after 47, 48 miles is a lock. And as I got closer to the finish line, you could start to feel the energy of the, of the crowd. And you knew the, sorry, it just kind of, it affects me, but you just, you feel the energy of the crowd and you, the accomplishment that you feel when you get to that, when you can start to hear it, you can hear the bells, you know, the, the cowbells dinging and the people hollering for those that are ahead of you and knowing that you have family there to greet you. It's just, uh, it, it's an emotional thing for me. Sorry. Um, it's an emotional real life thing to come into that and accomplishing all of the, the hard work that goes into getting ready for this race. This is purely the reward. Hey everyone, Brendan here. You just got done listening to an excerpt of my interview with Chad Tripp. Chad recently ran his first ever ultra marathon and 50 mile race. It was the Snow Peaks 50 mile race uh, near Provo, Utah, um, which is south of Salt Lake City for any of those uh, familiar with Utah. Uh, as you may have noticed, Chad got a little emotional um, in that excerpt I showed you. Um, I really appreciate his vulnerability um, as he shares his story today. Um, this this 50 miler wasn't easy for him. He was experiencing knee pain for almost the entirety of the, the 50 mile race. Um, so I can only imagine how special uh, the moment is when he gets to that finish line and uh, is able to say he completed this thing. So Chad is 45 years old. He's from American Fork, Utah, which is near where I grew up. Um, but he lives in Springville, Utah today. He has a wife and two boys, ages 14 and 8 currently. Um, he is a project manager for Comcast, and he likes to hunt, spend time with his family, vacation with his family. Uh, he especially loves cruising and going to Disneyland, Disney World, um, and doing road trips. Hope you enjoy the episode. Let's get into it. Hey, Chad. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for being here today. Appreciate your time. Yes, thank you. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Thanks. Um, I'm curious if you've gone on uh, any fun runs lately. Uh, here in Utah, there's been some snow so far, but not a ton. I don't know if you're running on the trails right now or hitting the road. or. Yeah, so I'm, I'm doing a lot of... A lot of road. I've been doing a lot of road as of recently, but I have had a couple recent trail runs. I usually do Y repeats. So the Y on the mountain in Provo, I do the repeats on that. It's about a thousand feet of vert. 
mm-hmm. over the course of about maybe just a little more than a mile up. We'll switch back, switch back trails and go up and we'll, we'll do repeats on that. And then just yesterday morning went and did what's formerly known as Squaw Peak. I uh, did that trail run yesterday morning. It's now no, known as Kive or Kive. It's, I'm not sure exactly. I believe it's pronounced as Kive Peak. Um, that's approximately an out and back that is just short of seven and a half miles. And it's about 3,200 of vertical feet and climb. 32? Wow, yeah, in seven miles. That's a lot. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So it's about three, three and a quarter up and about, uh, you know, about three and a quarter to three and a half up, I believe, maybe a little bit more up and back. Um, so, yeah, you're getting about a thousand feet of vert per mile on that one. It's wow. A great, it's a great trail, heavily populated. Always yeah. seems somebody on it, which is, which is a nice thing to have some company. Yeah. Do you tend to power hike up um, or do you get some jogging in or I'm curious how you attack that uphill? Yeah. So some of it is runnable depending on your conditioning. I would imagine there's, there's a lot of it that really can be ran depending on conditioning. Yeah. Uh, First mile is very runnable. There are some points in it that are fairly steep, but it is not, it's not super technical. It okay. is. It's a, It's an awesome trail. Yes, there's portions of it that we that we do run going up, but majority, at least, as you're starting to kind of get your mountain legs under you, a power hike, we're probably mm-hmm. averaging about a 16, 17 minute mile mm-hmm. going up at, at this moment in time. Nice. Um, I've definitely found on trails like that that going down is just a blast because you're just. Holland, yeah, <laughs> Holland oh, down yeah. the mountain, yeah. Is that true for that the one? Downhill, the downhill is a lot of fun. So we, I, I love hills. Hills are hills are amazing for me. I don't enjoy the downhill, depending on the steepness of it. Uh, trying to maintain control it just requires a lot of a lot of effort. There's, yes, a lot of my friends can just cruise down the mountain. And my little short legs just can't, just can't do it. I, I'm going to blame it on my short legs. <laughs> dang it. Dang legs. <laughs> how are, how are your knees? A lot of people blame their knees. Uh, at least I don't, I don't know that I've heard that from, uh, runners particularly, but you know, a lot of people would be like, Oh, my knees are so bad. I couldn't run. And, you know, going down mountains, especially like when you're hiking, it, it hurts your knees. Um, at least walking or hiking down. Is that easier on your knees when you're running down or is it, does it hurt? I don't know. I don't, I don't particularly have knee problems. I would imagine nice. depending on the individual, the downhill can be hard on you. For me, fortunately, my knees are good. And so I don't notice, I don't notice as much with that, but I can certainly understand with the impact of, of running downhill, a lot of the side to side motion. Um, I, I can understand that that could affect the, the knees, but yeah. for me in particular, I, I find that it is not as hard on me doing trails as it is doing the road. Mm-hmm. I feel like road running is, it impacts me quite a bit more than jumping yeah. on the trail. That's, that's an interesting point. It's true. I've noticed that, 
um, in my own runs as well. Um, cool. Well, Chad, I want to go back in time now to uh, when you first began running. I'd love to know why you ran or started running in the first place. Um, tell us a bit about that. Yeah, so my very first half marathon, I, I guess I'll really touch on that because that is my most memorable experience. I believe prior to that, I tackled some some shorter races, maybe some 5Ks, 10Ks along the mm-hmm. way. But this one is is what I really key in is my to my to be my first official race. Okay. And it was the it was the Hobbler half out of in Springville, Hobble Creek Canyon. Okay. And that was in July of 2011. Okay. And for those that uh, aren't in Utah, that is a, a location in Utah um, near Salt Lake City. Correct. Yeah. So July 9th of 2011, that is a memory that, that really stands out to me because it was my first half marathon. It, I, I had a lot of, a, a lot of preparation into it and, and a, really a goal set for myself for that race. And it stuck with me for a very, very long time. Uh, mostly just kind of based on how everything went. But yes, that, that would be the starting point for me in my, in my running journey. And uh, why, why did you even start running? Uh, I mean, maybe before even the half marathon, what made you think running would be a sport for you, something you'd want to do? You know, I, I don't, I don't really have an answer for that because it's yeah. not like I, for me, it's more of the challenge. Okay. okay. I, I, I didn't really think much Look, looking back and yes, that's been some time, of, some time ago now, but I, I look back and I don't recall looking at running as I do now. Yeah. I don't recall looking at upset for myself now that I did then ultra running was not really even the, even in the foresight of my mind. Um, so my views of it now versus then are entirely different. And I don't know if it's so much the running that yes, the challenge is there. The challenge is there every day. Um, but for me, there was no particular driver Mm. to run other than I believe just the challenge of it all. Yeah. Okay. Now, I mean, that's a reason, right? It's just that that's something that's hard to do and you wanted to do it to like prove to yourself that you could do hard things. Does that sound right to you? Yeah. Yeah, it definitely is. And funny enough, in looking back, there was a a coworker of mine Hmm. where we challenged each other. Oh, nice. So I I look back at that and I can't remember where that stemmed from, but it was myself and a coworker that had signed up for this race. And it really just kind of became a accountability. Mm-hmm. We're going to do this race. We're going to we're going to train simultaneously, and mm-hmm. we're going to, we're going to do it. We're going to we're going to get it get it done. And that was my memories of this of this first race leading into it. So that that had something to do with it. A little bit of competition. Yeah. Um, you know, and that always helps. Kind of get that dangle that carrot in front of you a little bit. Yes. And it yes. helps get you get you going. Uh, once you get going, you can, you, you then develop the discipline and stay with it. But anyways, yeah. So that, that was part of it as well. That there's somewhere in the equation, a coworker of mine definitely 
we had something going there. And he was also new to uh, yes. running. Yeah. Awesome. Um, what was your fitness like at that time? Uh, were you going to the gym at all? Or was this sort of like the beginning of fitness for you as well? For me, it, I've never been unfit necessarily, Okay. but it, I, I would consider it was absolutely the beginnings of my running fitness. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. uh, just because running just wasn't, it just wasn't happening. Yeah. Yeah. So as far as the running side of things, that was definitely the starting point for me. Okay. And, uh, this half marathon, um, what kind of training were you putting in to get this thing done? Uh, what did that look like for you? Yeah. So as many, as many people that are just getting into running, getting into the running scene, they're, they're trying to Google research different programs. That's exactly what I did is I just went online. Okay. I found a program, run this, run this, run that uh -huh. and stuck with that. That's where I started with incremental mileage buildup. And I would yeah. just run from my house to just do road running. I did have a route. And the one thing that really that I remember as part of was my goal was to try to run and stay running without walking. Mm, that was always nice. my goal is just to stay in a in a light jog or run mode rather than you know, do like the run and walk. And there were some hills that would that came about along the way. And I could always, I look back and I just recall hitting these different points of where I did not want to have to walk, right? I wanted to run and I felt I felt it getting easier. And so yes, mileage build up just on a just on a low key downloaded website running yeah. schedule. <laughs> totally, totally. Uh, same thing, you know, that same thing. I, I, uh, well, actually, truthfully, I didn't have any, uh, training program for my first, uh, half marathon though. I do for my marathon coming up, but, uh, no, my half, I just kind of was like, if I can run that many miles in a week, then I'll probably be fine. <laughs> right. Yep. And, it, and I was, so thank goodness. Um, it was, I kind of winged it there, but cool. Yep. There's a, there's a lot to it. It's when you're getting started, there's a whole bunch that you miss in the yeah. training process. And I've learned a lot over the years. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think I was lucky because I was just putting in enough miles, which I, I didn't know at the time it is a good principle. You know, if you put in a lot of miles, um, your legs will probably be ready for the race. And it, obviously the amount of miles depends on how long that is. Um, great. Okay. This half marathon happened, you finished it. And, uh, what, uh, what was next on your journey towards your first ultra? So the next, yeah, the next journey. So after that, after that race, I did run into a little bit of an injury, um, that had occurred on that race. So looking back, I, clearly took a break and that and that's what a lot of uh, a lot of people do myself included is you'll prepare for a race and then you'll stop running and i believe that to be the case i don't recall my my next particular race um but my next big one that i did many many in between was my first marathon 
-hmm. And that happened in 2018. So there are, clearly there's a number of years in between where some other things, other half marathons did happen. Um, other races happened, some 10Ks, uh, that sort of thing. But mm -hmm. my running, my running was not consistent. And mm -hmm. even leading into my first marathon, which was Utah Valley Marathon okay. uh, in, in Provo, Utah, comes down the canyon. That was my next big, my next big endeavor. Very, very daunting uh, race to be getting ready for. So yes, uh, 2018 would have been my next. Okay. And your half marathon, remind me, what year was that? Again. That was 2011. 11. Okay. Yeah. Correct. Several years, several halves you said in that time period, sort of on and off. And then yeah. you're like, it's time we're going to do full marathon 2018. Yeah. So a lot of half marathons in between a lot of 10 Ks, a lot of just on and off running, no, no consistency mm -hmm. in running at all. It would be run a race and then fall off. Mm -hmm. maybe, maybe find another race, train for it fall off, you know, that a lot of that happening, uh, between yeah. two, in 2018. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Why, why is it for you that you had those fall off times looking back at those times now, why do you think it is that, uh, you were sort of on and off like that with running? You know, for me, it really just came down to, I, I would equate it to being, lazy maybe a little bit lazy just because huh. there, there's a lot of work that goes into it and yeah. there's a lot of time to spend there's a lot of early mornings there's a, just being tired uh sore a lot of soreness that, that comes about and and to be honest with you a lot of that happens just because of not staying consistent right once you kind of get over that hump you're going to run some distances that that you're going to continue to be sore. You're going to push yourself harder and, and continue to be sore, but it's a different kind of sore. It, so I, I really believe that to be the case is, is really just, just being lazy, honestly, just didn't want to stick with it. Didn't have, a, yeah. didn't have the race in the books ready to go. Setting goals is a, is a big thing that you need yeah. to get going. Um, yeah. Once you can kind of establish that and you establish the discipline and some of the enjoyment, that's that's really when things take off for you. And okay. so I do believe for those seven years there was a lot of in between there. For sure. Yeah. And you 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 don't think during that time that you'd found the joy in running yet? No, you know, for me, the joy in running is really still to this day hit or miss. I know mm. that it's it's something I know when I don't run, I do feel it. Uh, whether it's my mood, I, I, I can just feel the missing piece when I don't run. Uh, people out, you know, a lot of a lot of folks out there, they 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 need to get daily runs in. They, yeah. they, they <laughs> there's certain aspects of the run that they just love, and for me, it's it's a love hate relationship. Yeah. <laughs> so. That's so interesting. Yeah. Um, but now you would say you feel a little empty or a little like something's wrong if you don't get your, your regular scheduled run in. Yes. Yeah. Isn't that weird? Um, same, same here. Wasn't that way at the beginning. It was like, 
oh, finally I have a day off. Yes. But now it's like, if I miss a run day, this Christmas just happened. So we're recording this uh, a couple of days after Christmas here. And, uh, this Christmas week has just been nuts trying to find the time to put in a run and man, it's just, yeah, I hate it. <laughs> I did not like having to miss my scheduled run on Christmas morning. It was a Monday. I always run on, on Mondays. I had to miss that day cause it was just too busy. And I was like, Oh man, I'm, I feel weird <laughs> and wrong. Yeah, you definitely do. And, and without, without the discipline, that one, that one missed run turns into two missed runs into three missed runs. And that's where, that's where you fall off. Uh, not you in particular, but, but right. myself, as an example, that happened a yeah. lot. That did happen a lot. And it, and it happened since my marathon in 2018. Uh, that consistently has, has only occurred over the last two to three years for me. Yeah. And so, yeah, that, that's really the starting point is finding the time and, and really making yes. the effort. We all have the same 24 hours in a day. We all yes. are busy, have families, have jobs you know, the, the life things that happen. And it's really just finding that the time to do it. And, and really just comes down to discipline. Yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah. Making the time you make time for what's important to you. So figure out your priorities. Um, yeah, you know, I was on and off for quite a bit of my life as well. Honestly, it's only this last year that I started running and then, decided to stick with it. And I think part of that was the races that I signed up for as well. And so you're right, like having those goals and those races along the way, uh, something to work towards really can help you stay consistent. Absolutely. Very, very rewarding. The races are very re rewarding. Yeah. The runs are very rewarding, right? Yeah. Because you, you get stronger, you get stronger physically, you get stronger uh, just overall. It's just, it's a great feeling when you get, start to get that conditioning in. So you mentioned your marathon um, in Provo Canyon. That's right. Yep. That's called, yeah, it's, uh, it's come down Provo Canyon. It's the Utah Valley. Yes. So uh, yeah. How did, how did that marathon go? Uh, so yeah. leading up to it, uh, the training because I feel like training is such a big training is such a big element to the to the race, right? So the race is really the reward of all your hard work. And I look back at the training on that, that being my first marathon, the training couldn't have been, I look back and it it could have been worse, but okay. it definitely wasn't great. And the reason I go there with that is because I found myself running the longer distances, like I'll hit the weekend kind of get my long runs in and, and those of course are an incremental increase in mileage and I would find myself missing one or two of the runs during the week and some weeks maybe all of them and I'd find myself hitting the larger mileage runs the longer runs on the weekend and I look back and that it's, it's just such the it's just a wrong way to go about it complete opposite of really what you should do and so going into my first marathon, it definitely, I felt good for a majority of it. The wall is, is a real thing. <laughs> the wall. Funny. And, and whether or not it, whether or not it's a, it, it is a real thing, but I feel like with everybody talking about it, ourselves included, 
Yeah. It's almost like you start to psych yourself out, right? You hit that, hit that 20 mile mark and they actually even have an inflatable uh, thing that you run through that's, that's, that says, <laughs> and, they really did. Oh my yeah, goodness. So, <laughs> that's hilarious. The wheels kind of start to fall off um, around that point there. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of reasons why that can, can happen. So yes, the training leading up to that could have certainly been a lot better. I do look at my, my data back in, in those days and I just cringe at the thought of, of my training, how I trained. And I just cringe at that thought because it was just so, it just, yeah, it just wasn't great. Okay. Cause it was really spotty. Very spotty. Yes. So you'd, you'd show up. How'd those long runs feel when you, when you hadn't run during the week, did they feel like fine? You got through them just fine or did they, did they kind of hurt? Oh, no, they definitely hurt. I would definitely feel it. Okay. I think more than anything, it's, it's how you would feel after you feel beat up. Yeah. There's no question about that. Um, a lot more sore, your joints a lot more affected. Yeah. It's just kind of the, almost like going back into a run for the first time. Yeah. Yeah. But you, uh, you ran through the wall. Yes. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. That's funny. Yep. Um, how'd you feel when you got to the end, um, mentally and physically, like, how were you? You know, it was, it was an exciting moment to cross that finish line. I wrecked, definitely wrecked. Mm -hmm. Wrecked. I, yes. One word. <laughs> yes. Wrecked kind of sums it up. Now it wasn't at a point of where I've, I've had some friends that have ran marathons and even one or two on that same marathon where walking was, was extremely difficult for them, even that day or in the days to follow. Mm. For me, I, I could get a run in within, within a few days, within two to three days, I could get a run in and, but I would fall off. Right. It's going back to that. You have that carrot, you have that goal, you reach the goal, you feel like you could run and then you just kind of fall off until the next race you sign up for. So I don't recall, I, I was wrecked for the race itself. Within a few days, I had recovered. Um, I wasn't, it wasn't a complete train wreck for me, but it wasn't. And, uh, okay. So this was your first marathon. Mm -hmm. Now, what, so I know your first ultra marathon was a 50 miler, um, what led you to sign up to for your first 50 miler? Right. So I, yeah, I have a lot of friends that are in the ultra world. I do okay. have one, one in particular that his, his running journey, I could follow him on, you know, different platforms uh -huh. and just watching his consistency, his, his journey in running really just intrigued me. And again, for me, it goes back to the the challenge behind it. And so that's what is a driving factor to, for me. And of course, the 50 miler being my first ultra marathon, I did complete my first 30K and it was a trail race. And it's one that we, we didn't even touch on offline here, but it was a Bryce Canyon 30K. 
And although that does not really fall into a ultra because it doesn't hit the distance, um, I considered it my first kind of ultra just because it was my first trail race. And that, and that did occur in 2022. And so that was really the starting point of diving into the ultra world was that getting on that trail. I played it safe. I enjoyed it. It was, it's definitely harder than, harder than the marathon in some aspects, but easier in others. Um, but on that same, on that same trip, I had two friends with me and they both completed the, the 50 miler. And I just, I just found myself feeling like I just cut myself short, right? I settled short. I, I settled for less doing the 30 K <laughs> and it, Oh man. Yeah. You know, I peer I, pressure. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's not pure pressure on their part. It's, it's on myself. Like I just sit there mm. and, and put judgment on myself, put those expectations on myself to, to go further, to go harder. And mm. yeah, so that I left that feeling like I could have done more. Okay. This pressure uh, you're talking about, uh, you feel like it was a, a good and positive thing in your life? Or a, or a negative thing because I I think it could go either way. You know, there's there's positive peer pressure where you're pushed to do something that's good for you, and the and then there's like peer pressure to go jump off a cliff, like bad peer pressure. <laughs> well, what yeah. kind of peer pressure was this for you? Uh, are you happy that that you gave in? Hundred percent, all okay. day long. It and it, and it was not it wasn't peer pressure on their part on my friend's part because there were several of them that were down there one did the 100 miler uh two of which did the 50 miler and okay. for, it was internal pressure right it's internal seeing them cross the finish line seeing that they could put their bodies through it and and cross the, the line there cross the finish line and just the success story behind it was it gives me chills to think about it. And that's the driver for me is the, what the accomplishment means when you come across that finish line. So it's, it's a pressure that is, it's amazing for me. It's, it's far from peer pressure. It's an individual, that's good to hear. individual sport. Well said. Yeah. It's yeah. So your 30K was in Bryce, awesome location, um, Bryce Canyon National Park uh, in Utah, for those who are unfamiliar, uh, beautiful, beautiful park. Um, so that was your 30K. Where was your 50, uh, your 50 miler that you signed up for? And why did you choose this 50 miler? Okay, yeah, so my 50 miler was June of this year, June of 2023, and it is formerly known as Squaw Peak 50, uh, now is known as Snow Peaks 50 miler. It is, it, it's in June every year, and it's been going on, I believe, 20 or 25 years now. It's, it's a very long, long uh, running course uh, race that's, that's been going. So a great course, it's, it's listed as one of, one of the harder 50 milers. And it does come up, it's about 12, 13,000 vertical feet over Ooh. the course of 50 miles. And it stretches from Provo Canyon into the, the Wasatch Mountain Range. 
Wow. That's yeah. a lot of elevation gain. It is, yes. And it's the main reason for choosing that one. I, I was I was scared a little bit of the, the vertical climbs that were in it. Um, but for me, I, I'm always up for the challenge. And that's the one thing about getting into the ultra world is the it's signing up for something without thoroughly thinking it through, right? You just you sign up and you go for it. And then all of a sudden that like that's the easiest part is is checking the box and signing up. And then all of a sudden it becomes <laughs> your it becomes your reality. And my main reason for choosing this one here is because it's right in my backyard. Yeah, I can I can look out my my front window and see the mountain range there. So and family support is everything during the race. So that is my that was my reason. Fifty miler, and it was about a year after doing my thirty k. A year, okay, nice. <clears throat> so, what did training look like for this fifty miler? Uh, I'd imagine it had. That you did a lot of climbing, but uh, tell me, it, it, winter was right before this because you know in Utah winter ends in like May. Uh, the snow, the snow probably persisted into your ultra. So, what did training look like for you? Yeah, so the training was. Many of those who are going to listen to this podcast are not a lot. Maybe from Utah, many that are not from Utah, but we actually had one of the heaviest snowfalls in really in the last thirty. 30, 40 years, right? So it's, we had a ton of snow. Yeah, the, the resorts average, I think, are five, 500 inches or something to that effect. I believe we ended up with over 900 at, at many of the resorts in the state. And so, yeah, yeah, that was, that was a, a huge part of, of training. Um, my training started in December, uh, given that it was my first 50, my first ultra really wanted to kind of venture into it a little bit slower. I did have, I did have um, goals in goals in mind, vertical, vertical feet per week and mileage uh, that were required as I, as I went and progressed. And I'm just pulling up some examples of where things were at. So my, my weekly vertical climb, expectations for let's just say for the first month would be anywhere from 2,000 to 3,000, 4,000 a week of vertical feet. Uh, that could occur in a single run power hike, or it could be brought into, uh, you know, two or three during the week. If you wanted to do a thousand per run or something to that effect. So uh, I did have goals set in a program to, to really start hitting the vertical climbs. Um, that started in the beginning of December and led into the winter months. We did get some early snowfall. So most of my training occurred in the snow on trails wearing spikes, uh, up. Yeah. Many of, many of the canyons all through the winter long. <laughs> so, yeah. Were you prancing? Uh, <laughs> I did one, one run recently in some pretty deep snow and, uh, when I was up in the upper altitudes of uh, this trail, I was like prancing through <laughs> to get through yeah. this deep snow. So I, I imagine last year, especially that uh, 
yeah, you're probably doing a lot of that. Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of times where we're the first ones on the trail, and so we we're blazing trail, and that's a whole lot oh, harder. Yeah, yeah, it's harder. It's a lot harder on you. Um, but it, but it's excellent training. It definitely mm-hmm. gets you ready. It gets you ready. It gets your cardio it, a good a good place. Um, your physical conditioning is great. Um, but again, it's those early mornings. It's the the cold temperatures getting into the single digits. Uh, wind chills even even colder than that. Um, snow totals. I don't know where they were at on these trails, but each time we would jump on these trails, the it, it's like it changed the the whole look of what the trail was or looked like. Um, yeah, so my training did it, it. It went on for about five to six months. And as the months would continue, as the weeks would continue on, the expectations for those vertical feet requirements each week uh, increased. Uh, I do have stats from beginning to end. The amount of vert that I did over the course of my training was 68, about 68,500 feet uh, that I have had accumulated over those over those five and a half months um, with about 517 miles ran during the course of that nice uh, 62,000 calories burned yeah it was it was, it was a lot of effort <laughs> so, that's cool and, that you can pull those stats is this with a with your garmin yep so just using the garmin connect app i i just went through each month to month and looked at what each each of those months looked like and then i calculated them out okay okay so, more more for my records more than anything cuz it's really when it comes down to it is comparison is a thief of joy. And that's something that you got to keep in your mind. If you compare yourself to others, compare yourself to previous training, compare yourself to the previous run, it really can just, it, it can wipe you out. Right. It, it just, it takes that joy away from you. You it, That's where I say it, it's a, it's a group effort. It's a, the community is there. It exists, but you just, you go and you do you, you just be yourself. Um, just enjoy it. Don't don't compare yourself. And so when I look at these stats, I don't. They're nothing that I'm going to compare anything to. For me, it was just what did I accomplish to get there. Yeah, I mean that's just helpful to know, so you can compare those stats to how you felt on race day and go, okay, well if this this training achieved this result on race day, um, so that's that's super helpful. And we'll have to talk about. We should we should get into race day. Before we get into race day, I want to ask. You said we a few times. Did you train with a buddy for this fifty miler? Yes, I. Yep, I did. Um, I trained with a few people. One in particular, uh, and she was not able to to make the race. I believe it was due to injury. Um, but her name is Felicia. Oh, yeah, we, we trained a lot together. I do have some other friends that they they were there but she was fairly consistent because she also was signed up for the same race and mm-hmm. had the same goal want, you know, wanted to get there. And yeah, an injury came in and she, she had to defer, mm-hmm. um, which, which is very, very difficult thing to have to do. So very for sure. Yeah. Cool. Well, I bet it helps having, probably helps having a buddy 
to keep you accountable and it's just fun running with other people and chatting that's and, cool. and it's and it's safer too when you get up into the trails mm-hmm. it's nice to have somebody with you and especially over the last the last winter without much snowfall there were avalanches that were happening that didn't typically happen and there's just a lot of a lot of background concern through yeah. through those trainings and so having having somebody there with you just in case something happened uh, whether it be medical, physical, something to that effect, it's always nice to it's nice to have. But again, the accountability is there as well, and that's helpful. Good point. Good point. All right, Chad. What what uh, did race day look like for your fifty miler? I want to know uh, all the details that <laughs> you can muster from when you woke up, how you're feeling, what you ate for breakfast, to like conditions when you showed up uh and how you felt throughout your race and then how you felt when you finished but yeah let's let's head into the real story here yes um thinking about that race gives me chills because it was just that's such a good thing. A, you know it really is it's the night before packet pickup you have a spaghetti dinner you you kind of meet some of the people you're going to find on the trail um you sit with them you have some dinner that awesome just just the community overall uh leading into the morning of of course it's that early morning wake up i typically go for bananas oatmeal things that i eat while i train you don't ever want to go away from that you want to try and keep that consistent and so i i keep it i keep it simple lots of oatmeal bananas uh, things like that leading up to the race itself. Temperature-wise, it was cooler, but not cold. Um, dark, you know, I believe it was a 5 a.m. start time. Mm-hmm. Uh, dark, cold, it starts up in the canyon, up Provo Canyon. It, it goes down a just a very short paved section. Start. It starts at a park and goes down a paved section. And then from there at about two to three miles in, it, it drops or moves into a single dirt track uh, run. And that's where your vert begins. Um, just the overall mood of everybody that morning. Is, it's just it's just awesome. It, it's the environment. It's it's the race director. It's it's just everything that you that you want to have to get you going and to get you excited. You know, you're, you're about to venture into a a 12 to 18 hour, 20 hour, depending on where you're at distance where you're going to be at it all day long into the night. You're going to be starting in the dark and potentially ending in the dark. And, and that's, and that's a big undertaking. And so having that motivation, having people around you to keep you excited and, and just to enjoy that experience is great. And you, you meet, you meet new friends on the trail along the way. But yeah, mile three, that's when the vert begins. You have about a, a six-mile stretch with about, a th- yeah, it's probably about 1,500 feet in climb, roughly. And I wish I had the stats for that because it, it's a pretty good pretty good climb. Uh, you hit your first aid station in that area there, and aid stations are amazing. The food's amazing. You just try not to venture too far away from what you're used to as far as consuming the calories. Mm-hmm. Um, one, one real big thing 
right out of the gate is making sure that you stay on top of your nutrition. Mm-hmm. And these are all things that you, that you have to implement in your day-to-day training leading up to the race and stay with that. But you don't want to get behind on your nutrition. don't want to get behind on your hydration. So stay on top of that. Electrolytes are a big deal. Um, did you have alerts set for yourself or did you just mentally check yourself every once in a while to make sure you'd, you'd stayed on top of it? What'd you do? Yeah. So that was one of the biggest challenges for me is really just eating nutrition. And that's just in general, because before, yeah, you, you end up getting behind before you realize it. And so I, I have, I, I do have an alert set on my watch every 30 minutes, just as a reminder. And so, yeah, it'll, it'll, it'll go off. And, you know, sometimes I won't feel like eating other times I would, but you have to just listen to your body and stay on top of it. So yeah, a 30 minute alert for me. Nice. Nice. Okay. So you hit first aid station, still feeling pretty spry. Yep. Yep. Hit the first aid station. Um, feeling, feeling great. Just, just getting the climb in. You kind of get into the Congo line because it is single track. You just, you get in that line and it, for me, I just enjoyed it. Right. I didn't push. I just stuck with that line. Uh, once you kind of get up to the first road where it comes off the single track, um, that's where you can kind of start breaking out and, covering more distance if you want or you know just stay at the same pace but it gives you the ability to get around people people can get around you different different paces um so yeah just really enjoying that congo line because i believe that to be the case in a lot of races out there just just go with it you know enjoy it enjoy the company uh when when you have that opportunity to pass do so but yeah get in get into the road there were some some avalanches that had crossed the road in a couple places. The the official actual course itself had a change from normal to a to kind of a re just a different course. They had they had to compensate the course because of snow. You get into the much higher peaks, there's a lot more snow and it's not passable. So we did have to go up and over a couple couple avalanche crossings. At that point in time, being in June, still quite a bit of snow up there from these avalanches. You just go up and over, go up and over them, um, traverse them. That was an interesting point in this particular race. Yeah, uh, Chad, real, real quick, what kind of gear did you bring here to to get through this like wet, snowy stuff? Were you wearing Gore-Tex shoes? Do you have some poles? I'm just yeah yeah so just your just your standard um hydration pack what you'd be used to carrying yeah uh, with, with your water nutrition and then i i always use poles poles just yeah. are nice for some extra footings uh, mm-hmm. for me there's a lot that don't they don't like them i enjoy them um mm-hmm. so i i carry poles as far as the shoes anything gators like that i didn't really have anything that was waterproof i just used the same shoes that I trained in uh-huh. and during the winter you know you throw on the spikes and you throw on gators but for a couple avalanche crossings there, no. there really wasn't much of a need and there's actually yeah. a couple spots where there's a little bit of water crossing as well I believe there's two okay. locations that, uh yeah you try to keep your feet dry but 
sometimes that's not possible to do. Hmm. So were were your feet dry for this race or did they get wet? They didn't get wet until later on in the later on in the race. I believe it was about the 17 mile mark. Okay. It would be like the first main water crossing that that because of the amount of water that was flowing through. Yeah. Uh, times I believe that that is a dry creek bed, but this this particular you know this year it was because of all the water and the runoff and that uh, it had a lot of water running through it. So that was the first water crossing that you had to get your feet wet, and it seemed like I found a way to try to cross in rocks. So I don't recall getting very wet there. Um, but coming back was a little different situation um, where I did get, I did get wet. Uh, so. Yeah. And when, when there are water crossings, I just don't know this um, because I haven't run a, a trail marathon or ultra, but when there's a water crossing, do people just truck through it and uh, their feet are just wet <laughs> for, the, yeah. for the rest of the race? Or do you uh, like take your shoes off? Do you put a new pair of socks on? Like how do people yeah. do that? Yeah, they. It's all, it's all preference, really. It's okay. nice to cool your feet off. It's nice to get wet, especially when it's exposed. Uh, this one was hot. It was a, it was an exposed section of trail. Actually, a lot of the trail in this this area that I'm going to be kind of leading into was very was very hot, very exposed, and so getting wet was nice. But then, with wet socks comes potential for blisters and yeah you know different effects like that and so yeah at the aid stations uh which most of the aid stations were accessible by family and you you could have drop bags so you could place new socks in there you, you could have family bring new shoes if you needed to mm. um i didn't really need any, any of that through the, mm. the course of this but yeah people will remove their their socks and shoes and walk through the water mm. some just trek right through it um or you just try to find a way to get across it without getting very wet. Cool. The drier you can stay, I believe, the better off you're going to be. Yeah. My, my opinion and, and what I've heard, honestly. Cool. Great. Th thanks for your opinion and experience mm -hmm. there. Um, okay. Where where did we leave off on your on your experience here? Yeah. So going to about yeah, this is the interesting part of my race at about okay. a mile. About a mile 11, 11, my knees, we talked about the knee thing and yeah. the training, you know, the training and the downhill and all those sorts of things. I started developing a little bit of a pain in, in one of my knees, believe it to be my right knee. And that was at a mile, at, at mile 11, as I was hitting, like, I think it was the second aid station. And it really started to bother me there. And I, anyways, I hit that aid station. I, I could feel it. I was just trying to figure out what it was, what was going on and just kept pushing through. So hit that, had that, that second aid station, continued on, hit some runnable trail. Then my other knee started to act up. So now both of my knees on the sides were, were starting to bother me through the course of the race and early on, very early on, but I just kind of fought through it. It was a lot of the downhill that hurt me and the uphill was okay, 
manageable. But anyways, I get to about mile, it was about mile 19, mile 20, when we hit our biggest and steepest climb, which was about 30, 32, 3,300 vertical feet and about two miles. So it's wow. straight up. And it's not switchback. It's straight up this mountain. And boy, that, mm. that was tough. So yeah, from about mile, mile 20, 19 and a half to about 22 was this climb. And that far into the race, it's, 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 uh, yeah, it was crazy. It really, yeah, it was a doozy and it, and it was hot, very hot, very, very exposed. Anyways, it was once you get up to the top of this mountain, you drop down and you get on this road. It's, it's called Squaw Peak Road. But it's very, very nice road, very runnable. I could run about 100 yards, and then I'd have to walk and walk it out. And then I would run it again. It was so frustrating because physically, cardio-wise, I was great. I had the energy. I, it was hot, but I was staying up on my nutrition. I was staying up on my hydration. I, I had great company. I just couldn't run because the pain in my knees were – it was just – it was getting, it was, it was rough. It was super rough. Uh, dang. through that section. Yeah. Sorry. No, I didn't say anything. I just said, dang. Um, um, yeah. So I get to what would be like, believe the fourth aid station. I took a break there. I was trying to massage my, the size of my legs out. Uh, figured if I give myself a little bit of a break, that would help, help the knee situation because obviously coming up, we had to go back down. Uh, back down onto this this trail and all downhill again just took away this runnable train and i i can only run a, a portion of it and then walk it run a portion of it walk it and i fought through i fought through the pain get down this canyon hit up onto this trail these great people one of which i know had a little just a little aid station they'd set up themselves they had otter pops and ice and it was great. It was so so refreshing. And fortunately for me, they had a massage gun. So oh. I started massaging the sides of my hips, the sides of my legs, because at this point I'm 20, 26 miles in, 27 miles in, had a lot left to go and massaged them out. Anyways, the pain just kept getting worse, kept getting worse. Um, made it to the next aid station. That was where I picked up my first what would have been my only pacer and her name is Sierra. She was, she was my one and only pacer, but her husband, Kevin just snagged me on the trail in between and jumped in with me. And he just kind of pushed me through. They would work on me at the aid stations, try to get some stretching in, try to massage it out. Ultimately it was my IT bands. Mm. That was the, that was the injury. That was the, what the, what stumbled into my to my race day life that day. Mm -hmm. Leading up to that, nothing. I didn't really have much going on. So, don't know if you have any questions leading up to this point. I know I'm kind of navigating through through the day in the aid stations. Yeah, that's going well. That was the main focus was my family being at the aid stations. The support that they were providing, the signs, the just just the energy. The aid stations were so 
eight stations on ultras are just next to none. It is amazing. Eight stations in general are amazing. When you get into the ultra world, it is like the best thing in life is these eight stations and the people that work them are so kind and considerate and the food that's there, the nutrition you can take in it's the overall experience is incredible and different people with different uh, backgrounds. They can help try to either keep you going, keep you energized or work on different things. If you have blisters, things like that, they'll work through. And that's where I would put my focuses on, on my legs and massaging them out. I believe it to be tightness, that sort of thing. So anyways, mm-hmm. I pick up my pacer. That was at mile 20, believe it to be mile 24, where I, where I picked her up. And she carried me through to the, the rest of the race. Um, the climb that I was talking about, coming out is about 1,500 feet over probably three and a half miles where you go back up into the canyon before going back on a road. And at that point, you have some gradual climbs, but then you get that downhill and then you get back to the the start line. But she worked me through that, uh, try to keep my heart rate down, cooler. You know, you get into that canyon, you've got the water running down. It keeps things cool. Uh, Really just focusing on staying, keeping, keeping your heart rate down keeping that energy level high, making sure that the, my knees weren't going to get worse. Mm-hmm. A, a big deal. Pacers are, if, if they're really keened in on your condition, how you're feeling, they have the experience. They know what it, what it's like to run this distance. They know what they need when they're running the distance. And so it's nice to have that, that support. So that w- would be a huge takeaway for anybody going into an ultra is lining up your your pacers um super helpful but anyways yeah just pushing through the pain it was it was a lot it was a big deal for me i it it was frustrating it mentally it kind of got to me uh it it just it robbed me of a lot of runnable terrain and it cost me some time but i pushed through it and i ultimately finished finished my race i did cross the finish line it was just short of 52 miles um kind of it was an out almost like a lollipop you go out you circle around you come back on the same trail and you basically come back yeah you come back on the same trail you left on okay yeah i was going to ask if if this was an out and back and it sounds like it it pretty much is yeah and it typically is not but because they had Uh. to go yeah they had to restructure the course because of the amount of snow it mm-hmm. normally is not laid out that that way it's usually just a great big loop and they both have their own they have their own climbs in them right their own challenges the original course the climb is later on in the race the uh this particular course had the climb kind of mid mm. mid instance uh yeah. both probably created equal i i understand that this this adjusted course is a harder course than the original but i don't have any way to judge it i'm signed right. up again this next year and i'm hoping to be able to take on that new course or that existing course to kind of get yeah. a, a comparison of my own yeah hopefully the easier experience this time <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> yeah That's... so i yeah so so just kind of pushes through the pain again 
that that was it's all about what you what you're not just plan on things to not go according to plan you have mm-hmm. to be able to adjust your the way you train in preparation nutrition hydration all of that you want to keep that the same but just know that your race is not going to go exactly as you plan and that's why i really threw that in there is it's for me it's not a it's not a pity party and i don't i don't use it as a crutch but for me it was it was something that i hadn't experienced the distance in general i had that um but having my both my knees act up and, and looking back i've learned what was the cause for that and i hope to to correct that and not experience that again but if it isn't something with your physical side maybe you'll end up with some gi issues maybe your stomach will bother you or you know something could happen that you just have to be able to adjust on the fly and just be just be prepared for an experience that you're not anticipating. So you made it to the finish line. You pushed through the knee, the knees, I should say. Um, How did you feel, uh, not just physically, but also like mentally, emotionally, when you crossed the finish line? Yeah. So I I just remember that last two to three miles, and it was. I, I was just exhausted. Um, having my pacer there, she <laughs> she'd say, "Look, you, you've got to run, or you know, let's let's run to this point." And so I would do that, and I would just get to a point where I'm like, "I just I just want to walk. I just have to walk." And and that was the the last two to three miles of, of that. And so at that point, I just kind of felt I felt so tired. Uh, physically mentally i was strong my knees were were still obviously bothering me but that was that was a big deal to me of having having somebody there just to continue to push you through those remaining miles uh which seems so far away um, but having covered that much ground it, it really just wasn't that much but it's just three miles after 47 48 miles is a lot and as I got closer to the finish line, you could start to feel the energy of the of the crowd. And you knew the sorry, it just kinda it affects me, but you just you feel the energy of the crowd and you the accomplishment that you feel when you get to that, when you can start to hear it. You can hear the bells, you know, the, the cowbells dinging and the people hollering for those that are ahead of you and knowing that you have family there to greet you. It's just, uh, it, it's an emotional thing for me. Sorry. Um, it's an emotional real life thing to come into that and accomplishing all of the, the hard work that goes into getting ready for this race. This is purely the reward of your effort. This is what you put years, years and months and weeks and years and early mornings and late nights and um, just the planning overall. This is where, this is where, this is what makes it. 
this is the this is what makes the experience for me and it's emotional for me because it it's huge it's the people you surround yourself with it's the from race director all the way down to pacers to family to your children to people you meet on the trail lifelong friendships that that are developed i i was able to meet a friend along the way which i had known uh this person over social media because they're an ultra runner and they've ran 50 milers, 100 milers and that. But just the relationships that you gain from all of this is just huge. And so coming across the finish line, you get that extra boost of energy and that that third, fourth, fifth, sixth, whatever wind it might be along the way because it's different for everybody. All of that just kind of, it just goes away. And you... You can run in with your family members, your kids, or just the people at the end. It's just the energy. It's just something to live for. And I don't know that that is my driving force, but accomplishment. I love the challenge. It makes the the hard, crazy training regiment and the the time can, the 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 time the needs of time the the demands of that it all it all becomes worth it. And that is what makes it so rewarding for me and so rewarding that I, I've signed up again. I'm on the hook again this year, this coming year, <laughs> and I'm on a waiting list for a hundred miler. And I don't know, that's a whole nother animal. Which one? It's bear 100. Yes. Come, <laughs> come to Logan. Yes. I, I, I know that's your backyard. And so <laughs> it's great and I last year this race sold out in two and a half days this year it sold out in like two and a half hours and so I'm on the waiting list and I don't know that I'll make it in but we'll see we'll see how that ends up but well Chad if you make it up here um please make me one of your pacers okay Um, I would love to consider it that consider it done hundred percent. It's, it, it's just, it's just an experience. I, I've, I've been able to pace friends of mine. Uh, one of my running coaches, I, I paced him on a big race, a uh, Coca 250. I, I spent, Whoa. you know, 30, 30 something miles with him on an overnight. Um, my friend Sierra who paced me, I was able to pace her through 23 miles of, of the Wasatch 100 um, it is just lifelong memories that all that all come around, and it's it's such a the community is bigger than than you think. It's it's a small community, but a large. I don't know. It's just it's so weird. But I'm telling you, the friendship you the friendships that you build from from these races, from half marathons all the way up, it becomes a different world in the ultra side. But it's just incredible, and and it's emotional for me to think about but the finish line couldn't have been more rewarding just couldn't have been more rewarding as you can tell i try not to get emotional about it but it's i can't i'm so glad you did that is production value right there i love it yeah (laughs) i'm not an emotional person but it's yeah but running yes ultra running the finish line i love it thank you for uh being vulnerable about it. I mean, I think 
you sharing your experience there is just going to be incredibly valuable to to those who are considering this at all. Um, I I was one of uh, the interviews that I had just a few weeks ago. I was talking to Miles Victors, and we talked about how sometimes we don't feel that uh, glorious moment at the end. Um, right. But I'm glad that that sometimes you do, and uh, I don't. I'll have to work on what it is that, that makes it happen or not happen. I'll have to figure that out, but, uh, I'm, I'm glad that happened for you. And, um, I mean, you deserve it, you know, you deserve it for all the work that you put into, to, to get there. Like you said, um, you mentioned your future races you've got going on. That's amazing. Um, super excited for you for squaw round two and, uh, hopefully bear. I really hope that happens. Um, and I I just want to ask you, what advice um, would you give someone that uh, is just just starting their ultra journey? Maybe they've run a few marathons like you and are looking at getting into a fifty miler. Maybe they're just just starting to look at running at all and are interested in becoming an ultra runner someday. What advice would you? give these people as they are getting into the sport? What one piece of like most important advice? Um, consistency. Consistency is a, is a really a big deal because it's the hardest part is getting started, right? They say the heaviest door is the door into a gym or, you know, perhaps maybe that door is the, leaving your house in, in single dig, digit temperatures at four in the morning or five in the morning, or you have, you have to find a way to overcome that. And again, comparison don't, yeah. Comparison is the thief of joy hundred percent. Cause you find yourself comparing your, you find yourself comparing to other people. Why can't I be there? Why can't I do that? Um, it's your journey. It is your own journey. You, you make that journey with others, but it's it's an individual sport, and you have you have to just figure out what makes it easier for you to venture through. Right, whether it's setting up races, um, if you're wanting to try to, you know, maybe lose a little bit of weight or something to that effect. There's different there's different goals or different ends in sight, and there's no right or wrong way, but it's just staying consistent. So you don't have to relive the the aches and pains of stopping and starting, stopping and starting, because that's really what what you have to get past is the the initial physical effects of running. Because it your joints have to get used to it, your body has to adjust. Um, those would be some of the main takeaways for me. Because you'll build you'll build friendship along the way, and those become invaluable. Yeah, I figure maybe once you get past uh, those those initial months of aches and pains, and you know you start getting into the community, like Chad's saying, I bet it's just it's a lot easier to stay stay consistent and stay in. I think when you've got those relationships built and and you've run your first few uh, races, you know, but it's a it is it's getting getting started and then staying staying started stay just keep going yep 
and if you have to join into some of the, you know, some of the platforms, the, the social platforms, and, you know, start to find some of those communities. Uh, there's different running groups out there that exist. It's, it's sometimes you need that company. You need the friendships out there. You need the, the coworker that's going to, to sign up for the same race or have the same goals to really get you motivated to get out the door. Because motivation only gets you so far, you have to develop that. You have to develop the discipline to really stay with it when you're out there running all these miles on your own. Because that's a lot of what I do is I, I put a lot of miles in just on my own, um, just because of the convenience of it. And that's where the individual sport comes in. So, but find those social platforms because those become drivers. Brandon, you know, Brandon and I, we connect on Strava and it's just so cool to see the runs that, that you're getting in and watching your journey. And although it's from a distance, I mean, we're a couple hours a difference uh, from where we live, but it's nice to be able to pop on there and see what you're doing. And just kind of be that support. It's from a distance. It's over the, the phone or computer or whatever, but it's, those are, those are motivation. That's motivation. Mm -hmm. Agreed. And, and you need that. You need that. Agreed. Final advice. Find a few people on, on Strava yeah. that uh, are also running and preparing for a race or something and, and connect with them. Uh, it, it has been very helpful uh, back at you, Chad, to just see what you're doing and uh, what other folks uh, are doing that I've connected with over this podcast. Uh, it's really fun to see what people are preparing for, what race, uh, what their training looks like. And you just give a little kudos like on everything, uh, sort of like Facebook. And it's just nice to know that someone else out there is uh, seeing what you're doing and, uh, and is out there with you. So yeah, they, they're out there virtually and they're, you're, you're looking up to people and people are looking up to you. And it's, it's just, a, it's a, it's awesome. It's an awesome sport. Love it. <laughs> just, it's great. Thank you. Thanks, Chad. Thank you for Thank you. everything you've uh, shared today. Your story is, is amazing. I've loved, uh, I've loved hearing about all of it and I uh, appreciate your time and uh, hope to have you back on here uh, after you've uh, run the bear 100. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll be happy to come back on if you'll have me and it's, it's been a great experience. Thanks for, thanks for, you know, having me join in on this and, Happy to share any experiences that I that I may have in the future. And awesome. I will definitely hit you up. So get ready to pace me. That's right. I'm ready. <laughs> I'm <laughs> if, ready. I get in, if I get in on that, I, I'm gonna definitely keep you I'm gonna keep you on the hook. So Yes, please. I would love that. <laughs> Thanks, Chad. On your uh, your marathon coming up. Thank you, thank you. Yeah. Super excited for that. Yeah. Appreciate awesome. you, man. Well thank you. Hey, Brendan here. I just wanted to thank you for listening to today's episode. As someone new to ultra running myself, I found these conversations to be super valuable, and I hope they are for you as well. And if you want to know when the next podcast episode comes out, make sure you subscribe to the show. Also, some exciting news. The Ordinary to Ultra Facebook group is live. This is a great place to meet other 
aspiring new and experienced ultra runners and have any questions you have answered, get some advice, maybe find a running buddy that's local or maybe virtual. And it's just a great place to make connections with other psychos that like to run way too much. <laughs> the link is in the description of this episode. If you want to go join that Facebook group and make some awesome connections. And that is all. Thanks again for joining me today and we'll catch you in the next episode.